0: Hello, welcome to Dr. C and the D. Uh, This week, I am coming at you, not Dr. K. Uh, It's Elizabeth here, and I am walking you through with the lovely Brianna, who happens to be one of Dr. K's patients, and really sharing her story with you and allowing you to hear um, her experience, her journey, what she's been through, what it's been like choosing to work with Dr. K when we have so many options. with infertility clinics within the, the Metro Detroit area. So Brianna, I want to go ahead and let you introduce yourself and share with us just a little bit about you, you know, how many children do you have right now? And, um, kind of tell me like, what has been your journey with fertility?
1: All right. My name is Brianna. I am, I have my husband and my two sons that I have. I, I've been married for about seven years, seven and a half years almost. Me and my husband have known each other our whole lives. We are moms, our best friends. So we've known each other literally our whole lives. So cool. Um, Yes. We grew up together. He moved away to Tennessee and came back. And then that's when we started talking again. And then the rest is history.
0: I love it. Okay. So your journey with Whew, you and I have had this conversation and just listening to you, oh my gosh, you are such a warrior, have been through so much. It's just amazing how much women, we as women can endure and go through and come out on the other side of. And so I really want to start with just your story. Tell us, you know, tell us about you. Tell us about your story, your journey with um, infertility, kind of how you got to this point to having these beautiful children.
1: All right. All right. Me and my husband had our first son in 2013, not IVF, no infertility issues yet. We were 19, 20 years old, had our boy in February, perfect pregnancy. And at that age, I was like, I need, I never had birth control before. So I was like, I'm going to do an IUD to be safe, to be responsible. Mm -hmm. And I had that for three years until we got married in 2016 And after we got married, I was like, well, we might as well let's start trying. Why not? So I got it taken out and got put on metformin and Clomid. During those three years, I had some little bit of issues with it, with my IUD, but everything supposedly was great. Got it taken out. Again, I was on metformin and Clomid. We got married in 2016. We tried for a year. I went back to my OB and was like, hey, what's the issue? I haven't gotten pregnant. I have normal periods. I have not a single issue with my periods. They're 28 days. He was like, all right, well, let's do a, let's go in. It's called a laparoscopy. We'll go in with a little camera through your belly. We'll check it out, check your tubes, make sure everything's great. Well, he had went in and found my tubes were 100% blocked. Mm. No, no reason why um, to this day. We, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. My bowels actually were scar tissue to my sidewall. He had to remove them from my sidewall. I also, he also said he took out, he tried taking out as much scar tissue as he could through my tubes and said, we tried our best. There's enough that you have a flow through your tubes. I had zero flow. Mm. So he got a little bit of a flow. Let's try getting pregnant now. So he put me back on, um, clomiphene and metformin, and that was around in June of seventeen. And I tried for four or five months, and tried for four or five months, and then the next thing you know, I was like, "That's it. I'm trying. I'm being so discouraged." I went to my my OB and was like, "I want to go IVF. My tubes are blocked." You said, "I didn't." To be honest. I didn't know what the heck IVF had and anything to do with IVF. I was just like, it's going to get me pregnant. And I know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you don't really know what is involved with IVF or IUI until you're in the situation. So he recommended Dr. Qualchek. I had asked him, who do you recommend to go for IVF? And because I, to be honest, I didn't even know what IUI was. I just said IVF. and
0: Which I think is normal. Which I think yes. is normal, right? Most, if you've never been in that situation, most women don't know the difference, right? Or even what it is. Like, oh, it's going to get me a baby. Let's go for it. You know, exactly.
1: And that's exactly what our thoughts were. We're like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> so, I was recommended by my OB to Dr. Kowalczyk at Michigan Center of Fertility, and he actually told me I highly recommend her. She taught me. <gasps> I was her Love. intern when he was starting to be an OB so he actually knows her personally so he was like I 100% want her to be your IVF doctor mm-hmm. I never even looked in any other doctors which I am perfectly fine with I love Dr. K so I went to her in October of 2017 and was like hey I want to do this like easy peasy just like when you go to the OB like hey I'm here for my annual oh here I'm here to get pregnant that's what I thought it was about no not at all so we ended up going over everything and she's like let's run some tests let's check husband and his semen analysis so we went through with the semen analysis with checking me the little tests that they do for you before to see okay are you receptive to anything Well, I ended up not realizing what was entailed and Mm. the price and everything with the shots and everything. So that became overwhelming that we were like, okay, this isn't in our ballpark right at the moment. So we can afford this right now. So let's just put it on hold for a minute. We will get a baby at some point, promise. So we tried for another year in 2018. Which we hadn't gotten pregnant, never, never once got a positive pregnancy test during that year. Mm -hmm. We tracked ovulation, which is so overwhelming to do for any woman. And 2018, I went back to Dr. Kowalczyk. and we're like, "Okay, I think we're ready. We know what how much it is. We know what we're getting into. Let's do it." So, we ended up getting a loan. My husband was a correctional officer at the time, so if you are a law enforcement or firefighter, most IVF clinic doctors everywhere kind of favor that and they love to help people because we help you guys help um, everybody else. So we went in and we got our loan and we're like, all right, here we go. So we go in for our first retrieval. I do all my meds and so nervous because. I don't do shots. (laughs) I don't do Mm (laughs) needles. So in the beginning, that was so overwhelming. I never did a single one of my shots. I made my husband do them all, including the progesterone. That is the biggest needle and the biggest, the scariest one of them all. So we went in, we did our whole entire retrieval protocol. And then we went in and did our egg retrieval. My My husband did a semen analysis. Everything was great. So we ended up coming out with, I think there was eight eggs that we got. Four of them went to embryos and you can either, there's a day three and there's a day five. Um, I did a day five. they just watch it for the five days. And we did a fresh transfer then. That was in December of 18, 2018. We did one transfer. We did not get those PGT tested, which is genetically testing. We did not get those. We paid out of pocket for that. And then um, next thing you know, we did a fresh transfer and heartbroken by didn't work at all. It Mm. was another negative test. Crushed us. Just before Christmas, it was devastating. Mm. At the time, I mean, I had a, what, four four or five-year-old. With our first son, and he was there every step of the way. And then we ended up going, we went back to IVF, like, okay, so now what's the next steps? So we talked to Alexa, which is one of the other doctors that helps Dr. K there. And she sat me down, we talked, and it was like, okay, what do you want to do next? And me and my husband talked it over, and there was no way at the time, like, to pay for another transfer so we froze our other embryos that we had we ended up with three total in the end and so we transferred the one and then we froze the other two and we just said okay we're just gonna try now we're just gonna go back to the trying so here we go with the cycles and the ovulation test and it became a chore and it's very overwhelming for any woman to do and then to accept the fact that, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm struggling. I never thought I would be a, the one to have to struggle to try to get pregnant. And it's not easy. It's not fun at all. And then so we tried all the way into 20, 2020. Well, we all know what happened in 2020. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, me and my husband were like, okay. We found out that he had IVF coverage through his work, through his new job. Which is absolutely amazing. I wish every employer would offer coverage for IVF or infertility. Same. Which normally most, when you do go to an IVF clinic, their first thing they do is their testing and then is, okay, IUI. I skipped over IUI due to the fact that I had done all the steps before. So I skipped right to IVF. That's... I left that part out. I skipped right to IVF due to, I already did the steps. So, um, found out my husband had the coverage. So, we're like, okay, let's do it. And then March happened and we shut down. So, IVF was like, sorry, we're not taking anybody right now. So, we'll wait until we open up. So, I waited and waited and um, finally got in and we scheduled our appointment Talked to Dr. Kowalczyk again, and she reminded us why we're doing this. She is determined to give us a baby. We are to grow our family, and she is not giving up, she would say. So then we – I had them two embryos still, and in September of 20, we transferred one, which ended in a chemical. So a chemical, which is a miscarriage – Five to six weeks pregnant. So kind of just before you find out, right after you find out, it just – your body just kind of absorbs it. So they say it's a chemical. Devastated again. So we ended up – we had that um, IVF coverage. So in November of 20, we decided let's do another retrieval.
0: Here we go again.
1: And was this your last
0: one? Was this your last egg at this point?
1: So I had – Yes, I had one egg left. Oh, now. Okay. Cuz I did the two. I did the one that didn't take. Now I had a chemical, and now I had one more frozen. So which we did go get those ones genetically tested. We sent those off. And did our five it was another 5-day embryo. We sent off four of through that for from that retrieval and then mm-hmm. we Saw the one that we had left and already frozen, but that one didn't make the fr- didn't make the thaw, so we lost that one from the original retrieval. So now we were stuck with the four that we had just got. Sent those off, and found out that we had three genetically normal and one abnormal, which when you hear abnormal, it could be multiple things. It could be a legit. Not viable won't happen, or there's such thing as called a mosaic, which is very common. I guess we have talked to our genetic testing people who we go through with um uh Michigan Center. We called them and we can talk to them, and we found out that it was actually a mosaic. So that one is it has both good and the bad cells but I'm on the lower side. So I have more normal cells than the bad cells. So it's could, could take. So then in January of now 2021, we transferred our boy embryo because we found out we had two boys, one girl. We did not know about the abnormal one. I'll talk about that one here in a minute. So In 21 of January, we transferred one boy and got pregnant. Like, I seen that line, and I, tears rolled down. My whole family, we were so excited. Over the moon, so excited. Well, March came, and I got about 12 weeks along, and I just had a gut feeling. Something isn't right. So I went to my OB, because I had graduated from IVF, which is nerve wracking in itself because you are at the IVF clinic so much, whether it's every day, every other day, you're there at least two to three times a week getting monitored, checked, ultrasound.
0: Doesn't it almost feel like to you, Brianna, like they become like family and you go through like a separation period from them? Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Like yeah. it
1: was always very hard to leave IVF to graduate. Like I was like, yes, I did it. I graduated. But it was the now I have to go out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. These like these were this was in my bubble. Now now I have to go outside and go to a regular OB. Like I'm now not an IVF patient anymore. Mm-hmm. And called my OB and was like, Mm-mm, something's happening. I don't I don't feel right. And sure enough, I had miss I was miscarrying. Had no heartbeat. And went back to the OB. We talked, and he gave me the option of two options: whether I could deliver at home, or you could do a DNC. I wanted to do it at home. I wanted oh. to say my final goodbye to my baby. So I did deliver at home with him, and it was March fifteenth of twenty one, and I was very close to. I worked at K Jewelers at the time, and I was very, very close to one of my workers that I worked with, and I called her my work mom. Mm. And we found out um, just before I miscarried, she was having some issues, so she got sent to the hospital. And she, when I, when she found out that I was miscarrying, she was so upset she couldn't be there with me. She was my one of my biggest supporters. And next thing you know... She went in for heart surgery 10 days after I miscarried, and she passed away on the table. So within 10 days, I lost two big things. My first big miscarriage and my work mom. Yeah. So that was very hard. And it's remember, a lot of things are still shut down because COVID. So you're kind of... I kind of for a minute had to do it alone I had my family I had my friends but you still felt alone and it it was hard I struggled very very big with that one and then I was like okay let's go like I'm not giving up I jumped right back into it I called Dr. K and I said I'm ready to come talk to you and she said all right come on in and she hugged me and let me know. Like, I'm here. You need to talk to me if you need anything. We have. They have amazing people to talk to through Michigan Center. And it's – they're amazing people. I've, I've talked to the counselor there, the therapist. Like, I've talked to the, um, all the people that are associated with Michigan Center.
0: Claire and is amazing. It, I agree with you. Claire it, yes. is – I love her. <laughs> love. I do. She <laughs> – She's so good. Like I would text
1: her and email her and I'm like, I need to talk to you. And she would get me in as soon as she could. And it definitely helps. Like when you go through something, you're not alone. And that's what Claire definitely made sure you remembered. Like you are never alone. We got this. And my husband was a great support. And then in she had when I went in and I talked to her, she said, okay. This is our plan. Well, these are the plans. These are your options. Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? And I, I told her, I'm like, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to go. What is my next step I can do? She said, let's do some testing. She did some miscarriage blood work to see if maybe I had something that made me miscarry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nope. We knew that, you know, the first thing that they say is, well, maybe your embryo wasn't normal. There, maybe it was genetically something wrong. Well, we had ours tested. We knew he was genetically normal. We named him Koa Gray. Yes. And don't let anybody think or tell you, why would you name your baby? It's you were pregnant for only this long. That is your baby. Yeah, and exactly. you don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do and what you're going to do because it's your life. And it's not easy. Like if that's how you need help to closure on what happened and you miscarrying girl go, because that was me. I wanted to name him. I didn't want to say, Oh, well, yeah, I had a miscarriage. It was a boy. No, I wanted a name connected to my baby. So Dr. Qualtrick did all the testing she needed to do. And in August of 21, um, I went in for my last big testing. She said, hey, I want to go in again and do another laparoscopy. And in between from 2018 to 21, I had multiple little procedures or testing done. I couldn't tell you exactly all of them. There were so many of them. Um, But this last one in August was my laparoscopy and she said let's go in i want to see what you look like maybe it's your tubes again so your tubes can have a black, a backflow if they are blocked we all have fluids in our body and it could be hitting my tubes and just going right back out and going right back into my uterus so when we am Im- when we try to implant an embryo that fluid could be washing it right off and that could be why i'm miscarrying or so forth. So we ended up going in and before Dr. Kulchuk had mentioned, hey, if your tubes look ugly, as in they're mushy, they're blocked still, like, and you have nothing, how would you feel? Maybe it's your tubes that are causing miscarriages. We would never know. So we were like, okay, if that's the case, they're useless. Let's take them out. That's a scary thing to process because you're like, no, as a woman, like I I want my body, like I want my tubes in. I mean I'm gonna get there's a chance I could get I could get pregnant one day. Like I don't need help. I'm doing maybe one because there's stories out there. You do IVF and next thing you know you're pregnant naturally. Yeah. It's, It's just a miracle. So that was a hard okay, yeah, let's just take my tubes out because then I could never get pregnant naturally if it could happen. So they went in and at this time I went through my OB to do this surgery and he talked to me again and said, are you sure? And I said, if it's in my best interest and there's no use for them, they're useless. Why would I keep them? There's no point. And sure enough, he went in and he showed me pictures and he said, Brianna, these are nasty. We took them out. Wow. They're much. You have no flow. I want to say there was a couple other, like how my bowels were stuck to my sidewall and my first laparoscopy. It was getting to the point where I had scar tissue all around my tubes, my uterus. Like I had it everywhere. So he cleaned it all up. And we're like, okay, let's go forth from here. Um, I work in a school, so I took a couple days off from that surgery because it was literally a week before school started. And I jumped right back into work and was like, okay, let's do another another transfer, let's do it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in December of 21, I decided, let's transfer and they ask you, what do you want to transfer if you know the, if you know the genders? And me and my husband were like, okay, let's try the girl this time. I, want a, I wanted a girl so bad um, So we did the girl And we named her River Lynn Which Lynn was my work mom's name So mm-hmm. we've I seen that one day And it was like scrolling through Pinterest You know and it just pops up And it's like that speaks to me I love that it's so pretty It has her name in, in it Love it So her name was River Lynn And um, we transferred her in December And miscarried her in February at 10 weeks. So it was another stab in the heart. We got so excited. But when you go through IVF, you learn to try to protect your heart. And it's the longer you're in it, the more you like just protect it. Like you put on a body armor every single time you transfer and you're like, well, I mean, if I miss Carrie, I mean, it is what it is because you're just so used to this disappointment. And so every time you got pregnant or we got pregnant, it was like, is it going to stay? We were so worried. And then at 10 weeks, sure enough, I was like, I feel, I don't feel it's right. And again, I feel the exact same way I felt with Koa. So I called my OB and I said, I want, I need an ultrasound right now. Like, I need clarification. Everything is okay because I'm stressing myself out. I'm worrying. I, I could not stop worrying about anything and everything, which ended up overflowing into my child, into my son that I had. He was worried about me. He seen me cry, and it was affecting him. Mm. So it was like, nope, I need to know. Well, I was, my instincts were right, and I miscarried her at 10 weeks. She stopped growing at eight weeks. So both of them were two weeks behind from when I went in for an ultrasound. And we then again was like, All right, Dr. Qualchuk, what's your plan? I know you have a plan. Let's hear it. And it was her and Emily there. And Emily and Alexa, like, I praise those women. Like, they are amazing.
0: I have a question for you, your experience. So every single time you would go in and you would experience this loss, what was it like? Because I think this is the thing we get so attached. You know, I I can only speak for myself, my OB. I remember, because I would go in so often, I was like devastated when I stopped seeing him and I went through like this separation period. So I'm almost curious because you become like family to their Mm -hmm. office. They become like yours. What did they do for you? Like, how did they support you through your loss? Like, what was that like?
1: I would walk in and they instantly, like when you walk in, it's like a whole different vibe. You're, you know, you're, you're getting so anxious going in because you're going to an IVF clinic. You are going somewhere and there's a chance that somebody's graduating and they're pregnant and it's, it's happy go lucky right now. And you walk in and they're just like, Bri, it's so good to see you. Like you look great. And they just fill you with warmth and Mm. it just like they literally welcome you with open arms um I've literally gotten hugs from my ultrasound techs the front desk Alexa Dr. K Emily like they literally just when I would see Emily for because for the first couple I seen Emily a lot before I seen Alexa and she would just hug me and hold me um like, they're just so, like, soft-spoken, and, like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have these feelings. Please don't hold them in. Like, text me. Call me. I'm here for you. And that's what is absolutely amazing because, like you're saying, like, they became 100% my family. Yeah, They were they were my supporters, written, written right behind me. Let's go. You're doing it. You're doing great. I'm so proud of you. And by this time, I was doing my own shots because this was my what, third, fourth transfer. So by, like, the second, I was like, okay, (laughs) time for me to do my own shots. And Dr. K would just, I'm so proud of you. You're doing amazing. You got this. I am going to give you your family. Do not give up. I am not giving up on you. I will not give up. So just trust me and believe in me that I am going to get this for you. And, She, I mean, she suffered loss after loss after loss, so she understands how we feel, and she ended up coming out with her rainbow babies, and it was a great story for, because I, you think to a doctor, oh, it's just another doctor, like, they don't even know, they don't understand what I'm feeling like. No. Dr. Kowalczyk, 100%, knows Mm -hmm. what you're going through. She went through it herself, and she will tell you her story. And she's amazing. I love her. And then in December of 21, I, oh, that's when I transferred my, my river. And after that, we were like, okay, the next step is let's do what's called a mock trial transfer. I would go, I went through the steps that was in June of 22. So I've, from December Well, February when I lost her, I kind of processed it along with, okay, this is what's going on. Emailing back and forth with Alexa and Emily and Dr. Qualchek and was like, okay, these are the next steps. Let's do a mock trial. I'm like, here we go. Year, Year five. Yeah, it was year five by now of doing IVF. I never thought I was going to get out of IVF. But I... I knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel at some point. I would get my rainbow baby at some point. So we did this mock trial. I went through the shots all over again. But the only thing is, is that at the end of this, you are not transferring an embryo. They go in and they take a biopsy and they send it to a lab. And at this point, I was so used to like people were like, hey, can so-and-so come in? And Like, Sure. At this point, you're so used to, like, having all these people around. Like, it's kind of second nature to just be like, sure, come on in. It's a party. <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> so we ended up uh, finding out I had strep B. So I had that with my son. And they give you antibiotics when you go to give birth. And all all good. Well, mine, I don't know why I still had it. Uh, I was, I'm just a person that carries strep B, I guess. And so what they did was just give me antibiotics and some other things um, to try to clear it up. So I did my antibiotics and there was one other thing they had me do with it. I can't think of what it is right now. And so took it, went back, did another biopsy, and finally I was clear. So we're like, okay, so we're going to do the exact same thing that we did for the mock trial. Put you on antibiotic. But this time we're going to add one more shot. So out of the millions of shots, mind you, I kept every single one of my needles. I never threw any of them away. Because one day I was gonna use those needles for a picture with my rainbow <laughs> baby. I was yeah. gonna, I was determined. And I ended up doing that same protocol, and I was like, okay, let's transfer this, let's transfer this last boy. Well, when I went in there to transfer, when I was talked about that mosaic um, abnormal one that I had, I thought it was a completely abnormal. So it was gone. Like they disposed of it for me. It was a surprise that Dr. Kwacha came in and said, well, you have one more. And I said, what? What do you mean I have one more? Like, no, this is my last embryo. She said, "No, you have that mosaic." So then we gotten then she talked about that mosaic to us, and um, we called the genetic testing and to see what we exactly wanted to do with mosaic. Well, we kept we kept him. Again, we found out it's another boy. So, I guess mm-hmm. mind you, my husband comes from a family of eight. He is one of seven boys and one girl. So <laughs> I was bound to stick with boys. Wow. <laughs> so. I got I got stuck with all boys, pretty much. So we found out it was another boy. He was mosaic. So we still have him frozen. Okay. Can you tell us what is mosaic? Like, so what? I had to look up the term to make sure it was 100%. I was saying it right. So it's just us females have so many genetics. Men have them. And then, you know, when genetics and all of the... Science, yeah, we love love science. So, we um, it is good, bad, good, and bad cells. But you can have a mosaic that's a low grade that is going to have say four cells that are bad. There's like a 20 to 40 percent is in the lower that it could be 20 to 40 percent bad cells, 40 to 80 is a little bit higher. And then you have the abnormal that's, like, the 80 to 100 that is non-viable. And ours is a low. So they told us it was a, a specific genetic, um, and it was, like, or a chromosome. That's what I mean, okay. not genetic. Chromosomes. Okay. And ours, I want to say, was chromosome 20, 20 or 22. So, you know, the exact, you'll end up finding the exact chromosome that was wrong. And there's so much testing and research going into it that when we talk to our genetic group, they let us know like, your choice. We can keep him frozen. And if you call in a year or in six months, there's always new research and evidence for all of these. So, we waited which we have to call here soon. We ended up keeping him frozen, and we're going to decide later on. And, um, but in August of last year, in 22, we ended up transferring our our boy at the Mosaic, the last normal embryo one. And he took. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh, my gosh, I have my wall up. Like, I am nervous. So we transferred him in August of 22, and the positive test came back. Well, we had already had planned to go on a vacation for a week down south. His family is still down south in Tennessee. I have family in Virginia. And we were like, okay, like, we're going to take this trip. And it was during the two-week wait. The two-week wait is the longest wait of your life. Did I start testing on day three? I sure did after my transfer. <laughs> I was a testing queen. I was <laughs> like, I'm not going to test. I'm not going to test at all. I lied. I tested by day three every time.
0: I'm sure um, you are not abnormal. And no. And so many other women do.
1: It is the hardest thing to like, oh, I feel something. Like, is that is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Oh, I'm going to test. And then when you do see a little line... You don't just stop there by, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant. Yay, I'm pregnant. No, you test like three or four times during the day. (laughs) So you. Oh my gosh. If if you test and you are positive and you keep, if you test multiple times a day, you are not alone. (laughs) If that gives you reassurance that everything is okay, test, sister. Keep testing. Mm -hmm. Whatever makes you feel good. And so we went on vacation, and that's when I started seeing my positives. And we went to my mother-in-law's in Tennessee, and that's when I got my beta. So my beta is when you go and you get your blood work, and that is a blood test to show what your HCG levels are in your blood. And it has to double. Every other day, they want to see at least doubled the number you had before. So we went. Obviously, I knew I was pregnant. I had a Bright two lines I had two lines on that test and I knew I was pregnant for sure But of course the worry was still there Because we felt like every time we'd get excited something bad would happen So we went and we got our beta came back positive a great number That's the one we told my mother-in-law and father-in-law. Hey, we're pregnant, but we're not going to announce it It's the hardest thing to decide when to announce Some people will say, oh, you need to wait till 12 weeks. If you want to say, hey, I'm pregnant and you want to announce it, announce it. Don't let anyone else tell you because when you're pregnant, you're pregnant. At 12 weeks, it doesn't prove that you're pregnant because you're out of the first trimester. If you test and you get a positive and you want to share it, go, sister, because it's You're, you never know what's going to happen. And that's how I looked at it was I'm pregnant and I'm going to be proud and I'm going to announce it.
0: And don't you think Brianna to have a support system, right? Is it, and that's so crazy to me, right? That women put that on other women not Mm -hmm. to share and tell their, whoever may come up with that 12 week thing, right? Why can't we support one another? Like when you're going through that, right? You guys made the decision. But what if you wanted to share right when you found out because you wanted to be fully supported by your community and yep. whatever could have happened, whether the baby was viable, whether you lost the baby. But to have people walk alongside you as you're experiencing this, I feel like you, I love that you said that, that you said, if you want to share, sister, share. Yes. Because you, you should be able to, there's no, whoever came up with that 12 weeks, shame on you, right? Yes. Yes. That's not empowering to women because then women – this is why women suffer in silence.
1: Yep. Because they're too scared to have anybody else judge them. Yeah. And when you go through infertility, you're judged already. Like, and that's what sucks is, oh, you're going the easy way. people don't understand is IVF is not the easy way out. Mm. Same as when people say C-sections are the easy way out. Wrong. 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 (laughs) How about you get cut open and you tell me. You get your muscles cut. Like, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. This is a whole nother episode, Brianna.
1: 100%. <laughs> yeah. It was – it's your journey. You share when you want to share. Don't let anybody else tell you. Um, yeah. I don't know who
0: came up with the 12 weeks because – I know. It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yes. But, but, we but okay. Up. Yes. Let's hear a story. I'm but over here like I'm – the- I know. Ah!
1: come to find out we this this boy is he stuck he is he stuck the whole way we went 9 months and it was the best 9 months i loved being pregnant and don't ever give up i i finally had my rainbow baby in april of this year and he is the most perfect perfect baby he he trumps his older brother and he was a very easy baby <laughs> um but there's literally until the day we had him there was still that I, should I be excited? Should I be excited? Um we were still my whole family, my friends, my family were all so nervous because of the outcome. Is something bad going to happen if someone gets too excited, heaven forbid, like so IVF infertility, not even IVF, infertility takes away the joy of pregnancy and it sucks. And literally to the day I had him, I went in and I was like, am I really pregnant? Like, oh my God, I'm going in to have a baby tomorrow. Well, also when I was pregnant, I ended up finding out I had an anterior placenta, which means your placenta is in the front. So not only did I experience infertility in trying to get pregnant, I had a placenta that was in the front of my belly. So you can't feel everything about the baby. So that IVF was out the door. Yay, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I can celebrate. I'm so happy. And then to not be able to feel my baby, to feel that just reassurance, like, yep, everything's okay. Everything's okay. That was hard. I I was like, oh, okay. Now I deal with this now. (laughs) But we made it through. He is now going to be seven months on the 12th of this month and of November. And he's just, he's all smiles. It's the best thing. It's still crazy to see like, oh my gosh, we have a baby. We literally delivered him and we were like, I looked at my husband at the same time. We were both like, this worked. Like we have a successful IVF story. I can now be in the community of we did it. Now I can encourage others. Like I went through this with, I went through it. I will go, I will walk with you. I will hold your hand.
0: Mm. I finally
1: made it to the end. I had my baby.
0: Five years, right? Five and a half years. Five and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I think, and this is what I want to say to you is having you, you know, this, this whole series that we're doing, sharing Dr. K's patients, sharing you and the off, you know, women that have come from the office and had these stories, you know, whether you, you know, on, on your fertility, infertility, whatever journey you're on, but to be able to share your story and for you to so courageously share it with all of these women who, whether you have a baby or maybe experiencing, you know, secondary infertility or, you know, maybe you're listening and you're, you're right where Brianna was and you're literally sitting there and you've had failed IVF or whatever the case may be, just to know that you aren't alone and you sharing this. I just, I want to thank you so much because it is so vulnerable to, to be able to share this with other people. Because like you said, it's crazy to me that people think IVF is the easy way out. I'm like, oh my God, I just hearing your story. I can't imagine what it would feel like to constantly be worried if something mm-hmm. was going to happen because you've experienced it. And I think that's what I want to ask you. What advice, you know, you've navigated five and a half years of this. And what advice would you give to women who are on this journey, who could potentially, you know, maybe they have a friend Mm -hmm. going through this. Um, Because let's be real, like this, this hearing other people's stories gives so much empathy. I, I didn't struggle with infertility. And to hear your story, is how can I support my friends experiencing fertility issues or, you know, going through IVF or IUI or, you know, experiencing miscarriage? Like, how can I support them? And I think that hearing your story and why it's so important for us to hear stories is this exact reason right here is, you know, what would you tell women who are going through this or what advice would you give to women? I would say don't give up.
1: Keep going. You need to have a support system. A tribe is what I always call mine. Like, I have my tribe, and my tribe got bigger. Once I started working at my son's school, I I couldn't thank or be the, more thankful than, one, my IVF family. Like, they are absolutely amazing every step of the way. To my, my friends, they stepped up, and, Brie, I'm here. They... They held my hand. They hugged me. Like there was days I couldn't make it through without crying, and it was I would just run to their room, and just they would just hold me, breathe, let it out. Like it's okay. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Be you can cry, you can. And my family, like my family, was there from day one. Like they never left my side. They. I already am close to my family. Like, my sister is oh, – thank God for my sister because she mm. would just – she'd make me get out. Like, I didn't want to. No. Come on. We're going to do something. And do you want me to go to your appointment with you? My mom. Let's go. Well, I'll, I'll drive with you. And just to be there every step of the way and say, if you need to talk, I'm here to listen – not just like sit there and just like listen and then give your unwanted feedback. Just say, I'm sorry you go through, I'm sorry you're going through this. I, it, what can I do? What can I do to yes. help you? Not, oh, well, you should try this or you should try that. That's not what we need to hear in the moment. I need you, I need to feel that my friend or my family, anybody is just a listening ear. And I'm so sorry this is happening to you like I tell me what I can do and then for foremost like it's 100% your faith like have faith in yourself have faith in God he he's going to help you every step of the way and don't he's not gonna let you lose hope. he he's there like he, he will show you little things. Left and right, I've gotten random rainbows, or I would see random cardinals. like there are signs that God is there with you, and He will take you on this He's in it with you. He's there every step of the journey with you and never give up. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh gosh, thank you so <laughs> like seriously, it's I think it's so empowering. you know, I love people's stories and just hearing yours and what you've overcome. and I think is so important. And you just, you share, you know, you're on the other side of it. So you share mm-hmm. it so gracefully and so empowering because, you know, you, you know what women feel like, and even just hearing some of your things, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to remember that, you know, it's just, yep. just little things. And, and, you know, it's how people say things too. It's, it, this is yeah. always, this is such a good reminder of what to say and what not to say and how your words really matter. One hundred percent. You know, and so I just again, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast and taking the time, and you know, even sharing like you, you, you shared so much about Dr. K. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love her too. I, yes. like you said, I think her office is great. Um, you know, she's very she tell it out is she's so honest and
1: yes, one hundred percent. She does not sugarcoat. She will
0: tell no. you. <laughs> and you want I know love I love it though it's. <laughs> It's that Polish in here.
1: She's, she's great at it.
0: <laughs> right. She's not going to mess around. And so, no. you know, I, I think that's really cool. And, um, so where can people, uh, do you have a public account? Can people find you somewhere if they have questions? Do you want that? Or is it something you're interested yeah. in? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, um, is, can, go ahead and share. They can go on
1: my Facebook, um, Brianna Lush. Um, I'm never really on Instagram. Um, so I would do Facebook or, Um, they can always email me. I'm always available if I will get back to you at some point. Um, yeah, and just never give up and have hope. Like, one day, and to be honest, even if your, your story ends at infertility, second infertility, and you don't get a baby out of IVF or IUI, our last option, like, we talked about, we're going to adopt. And there's options out there, like, but I said no. Like, I want to try my hardest until I cannot try anymore. Yeah. And then I will go that route. So if that is the same with you, like, k- stick to your gun and you follow your road of I'm going to, I want to try until I can't try anymore. Then you can navigate to a different road. But just stay strong. And we got this.
0: Yeah. I love this. We got this. Yeah. See, yes. we're all in this together and there's yes. such a big community out there wanting to support you. I know Dr. K has a, um, support, uh, group in her office and different things mm-hmm. like that. And like you said, Claire is amazing. Um, yes. so I will make sure that all of Brianna's information is in the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out, if you're someone that you hear something in her story and you're just like, Oh my gosh. I relate to this so much. I have questions or if you're looking for more, you know, if you have questions on, you know, Michigan center or different things like that, you know, she has this personal experience and can share that. And just thank you guys again for listening week after week. And Brianna again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for sharing your story until next time. Thank you. Bye.